We've done this before, but I'd like to do it today. Again, it's fresh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when the Lord says we need fresh manna every day. We need that, don't we? The reality of His presence, the awareness that He's here right now with us. And the reason I'm touched emotionally is because what Billy read in Psalm 25. I pray every day. He said, show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. And lead me into the way everlasting. And uh, he didn't know that, but the Lord just wanted to reveal. Because that's our prayer, isn't it? Show us your ways, O Lord, and teach us your paths and lead us, lead us into the way everlasting. Share with us what the Lord Jesus means, who he, what he means to you, what, just what he means and what he's done in your life. And uh, can you share with us his thanking, praising? What's he mean? What does Jesus mean to you? Who is he in your life? You think about Jesus. He gave himself for us. He didn't have to. He laid his life down voluntarily. And he went to Calvary to be hung on a cross and the nails. But more than just the physical pain that he experienced, he experienced the pain that people were rejecting. That he came to save them from our sins and that there would be some people who would turn away and not have anything to do with him. But he came, he says, for the lost sheep. And he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He, he leaves and he goes after that one lost soul that needs to know about redemption. <laughs> he came after me. <laughs> and I'm so thankful today. He didn't have to. He could have left me in my sin. But he didn't. He came and redeemed me. He saved me. He took me out of the, the snare of the enemy. And he set my feet upon a rock. Jesus. I want to forever praise him and thank him because of his great mercy and grace. It wasn't anything I did. He just drew me when I was at my worst. When I was at my worst. And uh, I know that Jesus is Lord. I know in my heart that one day I will face him. When I take my last breath, that I'll stand before him. And I want to know him. I don't want to wait till he takes me home. I don't know when that will be, but I, I want to know him now, don't you? I just want to know him. And what a beautiful, wonderful, and powerful name that he is, Jesus. And I believe today that it may be someone here or whoever that's just saying, Lord, I haven't made that decision for you, but I want to make it today. I want to make that decision for you. I want to step across that line and say, 
My life is yours, Lord. Come into my life and save me. And take me out of this because I know that you're, you're a God. You are my Lord and Savior. And then there may be others here today that may say, you know, uh, I need to know the Lord deeper. I don't, I don't want to stay where I am. Maybe you need revival. Maybe you need renewal. You know, that's a word we understand. We just need, be to be, need to be made new. We know we're not right and we're in turmoil. And we're carrying all the worries of the world. And Jesus is saying that he'll be our burden bearer. He'll take care of it if we'll bring it to him. I'm so glad that it's all grace. It's not anything you can do to earn it. It's given freely for all to receive. Today may be that day. There's a heart change taking place amongst God's people. And uh, God is saying, He's in that business of, of changing lives and making us and giving us hope and giving us a future. Because in Jeremiah 29, it says that, doesn't it? That he came to give us a hope and a future. He didn't come to pounce on you again. The world's already done that and the devil's done that. But he came to give us that hope and a future. And you, no matter, no matter where we are in life or what age we are, we're all candidates, aren't we? We're saying, Lord... I've been stuck in this rut and I can't get myself out of it. But I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to make that decision today. Today would be the day. And if the Lord is is putting on your heart this day about that, I want you to ponder at the end we're going to have an invitation to the service. I want you to come forward. And proclaim. The Bible talks about something happens when, when we get real and transparent and saying, I need you, Jesus. And I don't want to live another day without you in my life. And I believe that invitation that God is giving today is the day that we need to respond if the Lord's knocking at your heart's door. To say this is the day of salvation today the Word of God. We are not guaranteed anything, are we? You know, this lady that God killed over here on the feeder road at El Dorado, the lady and her infant, it's early in the morning, y'all may have seen it, and a lady who was intoxicated tore the car to smithereens. Her husband saying, said she probably was going out to get something for breakfast. They live in Texas City. And that lady and her child was taken out into eternity. I hope she knew Jesus. But she had no idea. She wasn't even on the main freeway. She was on the feeder road. And that car ran over them and completely demolished her car and they both were killed. We see it every day. And Jesus is given an invitation today to say, 
want to know when you take your last breath of where you're going that there is no uncertainty about it. Don't wait. Don't wait. I plead with you today. Don't wait. A friend of mine had a stroke this past week. He didn't know the stroke was going to happen. We don't know these illnesses are going to happen. We don't know when. But we want to be ready, don't we? Today may be the day. Consider it. Consider it. I plead with you. Don't wait until it's too late because I believe he's knocking and I believe that we're in a time where Jesus is standing at the door and knocks and he says, if any man hears my my voice then, and opens the door, then he'll come in and sup with us. And I believe he's talking to certainly unbelievers, but I believe he's talking to the church today. We're living in critical times. The church, Jesus is the answer. And we have that answer, don't we? And we need to share that answer with all those around us today. May God give us courage and, and just a holy boldness to say, do you know Jesus? That others may have that opportunity. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask that you today would seal on the hearts of all here truth. That, dear Lord, today you would do such a mighty work as you're doing in our hearts and lives. As we encounter you, O oh God, in your precious presence, your glorious presence. We need you. We're asking you today, Lord, change our hearts. We don't want to grieve or quench the Spirit of the Lord. And we ask you to change our hearts. And we ask you, Lord, today to help us all in this church, even my life, Lord, not to miss this revival because you're moving. You're changing us from glory to glory. And we ask you, Lord, today, as we encounter you today, and this is just the beginning. Because we know, Lord, there's no end to you. We know, Lord, that you... All things are possible with God. We know today that you are our hope. You're the Holy One of Israel. And we magnify you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. If you would... Um, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to talk about worship again. And uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you. We're going to talk about the, the lady at the well, the Samaritan lady. If I would ask you, do you want to go to a higher level of worship? I'll probably everybody would say, yes, of course, Jim, yes, we do. And yet, when we look and we say, well, how can that take place? Because how do we get there? But I believe there are a couple things here. I'm going to move through this so we won't 
go over today, but I want to just talk about something so important as far as certainly being able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we look at this scripture here, and we'll look at verse 20, actually 21, and we'll look at a few verses here. Y'all know the story of the lady? Jesus uh, was actually uh, traveling along, and he was going right through Samaria, and uh, the, the Jewish people uh, didn't like the Samaritans because the Samaritans were half-breeds. And uh, yet Jesus, that was the path he took. And here he met a woman at the well and asked for a drink of water. And uh, the woman was real surprised, if you remember. I'm going to back up just a moment. And um, in verse 10 of John, St. John, the Gospel of John, verse 10. And we're going to read just a little bit of the background of why this woman's at the well kind of wanting to go out when no one's around, and here comes Jesus, okay? And then in verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well's deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well? And drank from it himself, along with his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to him, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband. So you have spoken truthfully. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. I'm I'm losing something here. Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Yet the hour is coming, it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He had a word of knowledge, and He said, You're right. You're not living with the... uh, The one you're living with now is not your husband also. Well, that got our attention. Whenever a gift is released, a spiritual gifts are released, it gets people's attention because it's as God is speaking, and He is speaking. Uh, he speaks through us. He speaks to encourage one another, to uh, reveal things that need to be brought out into the light. And so this lady obviously is responding to that, and Jesus spoke that to him. 
And I want to say this about that lady because I think this is so important as we begin here talking about worshiping from the heart. Uh, this woman had, had been married, what, five times? And then the one that she's living with is the sixth one. And yet Jesus was there and encountered her. And actually it was a divine encounter. It was orchestrated by the Father. He was listening to the Father, obviously, and they connected there. But this woman was a great sinner, right? She'd been divorced evidently five times, and then she was living with this man. And yet here was the one that obviously Jesus spoke to and had a word of knowledge about and spoke to her. And, and, uh, and she went back and told the city there that she lived in. And it turned out that they had a revival as a result of this lady. So I want to say today that no one has gone too far to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? No one has gone too far. Man has somehow looked at people and we think somehow, oh, you have sinned past the grace of God. And that is not true. No one has gone past that. It's no matter. And that's why when we come together and we share these things, no matter what you have done in your life, no matter how much you have messed up time and time and time again, Jesus Christ can redeem you. And Jesus Christ can forgive you. It's because of the shed blood of Jesus. And I thought about it when God touched me and changed my life. I I thought about it. It was like just a speck of the blood of Jesus was enough for the redemption of all of mankind. But the blood of Jesus is obviously there to take care of these things for everybody who will call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever. This lady I want to tell you, sometimes, you know, what we do is we somehow um, we dilute or we, we, we draw back the power of the cross. The cross is powerful. It's for all who believe and who will call upon him. And some people feel like I've done too much. I've gone too far, Jim. I, I've strayed too far. And I, and I knew Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. And then I strayed away. And the devil will say, you stay away. And Jesus is saying, come home. Come home, sinner. Come home to me. The invitation is always there for us. It's how we somehow in our intellect and our humanness will perceive that. Jesus is blood. And this lady there is touched. And obviously, she's in heaven. She believed Jesus there. But here we go, talking about true worship. And sometimes we go through the motions of just true, really true worship. Because worship is when God's Spirit somehow touches our spirit. There's a connection. You know, we talked about koinonia, that vertical relationship with Jesus. When we come together, we praise Him. We worship Him. We, we thank Him. And, and then the koinonia horizontally with other people. Here in this place. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that relationship's there. And so we come and we speak to the Lord and we praise the Lord. And God speaks to us. We encounter the Lord. So it's God's spirit that connects with our spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth about who Jesus is. But in that spirit way, we experience him. We're touched by him. We're changed from glory to glory. Because we've encountered him. 
I want to tell you today, it's so important to understand here that it's not about a location. She was thinking, well, we, we, uh, we worship over here. And they were standing at the bottom of the, of the mountain where they worshiped. And, and then the Jews, obviously, worship in Jerusalem. It's a location. We think, you see, you can worship the Lord anywhere. Worship Him in your car. Worship Him wherever in your home, wherever, you know, when you feel, and, and that prompting sometimes, I feel that, that God is just pulling me and drawing me, and I want to get away and just, just listen to Him, be still, and know that He is God. It can happen at any place, any time. It happens here corporately, and that's what we've been talking about when God's people get together. So certainly, the real issue with worship is not an external issue. It's an issue about the heart. It's about our heart, an inward here. We talk about worship springs from the heart. And worship must happen between an individual spirit and the spirit of God. Otherwise, it becomes an empty form. We're just going through the motion. We're mouthing words. And our heart has to be prepared. Our heart has to be getting ready for worship. That's why when we talked about over the last few weeks about expecting, about getting along with the Lord during the week and worshiping the Lord. Because if you haven't worshiped the Lord during the week, it's going to be abrupt to come in here and change all of a sudden and worship in the hour and a half to two hours we're together. We need to be ready. We need to get ready and, and worship Him as truly He is due our worship. Sometimes it's a form of godliness without the power of the Holy Spirit in it. It's like sounding brass and and clanging cymbals there. Because God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The Amplified Bible talks about it here as a reality He's talking about. It's not just a matter of doing it in the right location or having all the right methods. First and foremost, if you skip this, you know, you'll go astray. Worship has to flow from a heart of worship here. In Matthew 15, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. It's empty. It's vain. It's useless there. They're doing the right moves and going through the motions and the right things physically. But God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart to see our heart conditioned when we come in. And that way, because we can be touched by Him, we can encounter Him. We can expect Him to speak to our hearts, whether it be through a word here. Certainly the word of God's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. But certainly here... Uh, The crucial mistake we've got to avoid is majoring on externals and just missing the fundamental issue, and that is a heart issue, and we need to obviously do more than just mouthing the words. We need to sense and be aware. He is here now. Two things we'll go through. Worship flows out of one's revelation of whose God is. In other words, you'll go to that level in how God has received revealed himself to you in one way or another if you have been born again you have encountered the spirit of the lord and in one way you have realized that you're a sinner and that maybe right behind that is you've realized the grace of jesus christ and realize you have no way out except through jesus christ but you have encountered the lord you've experienced the lord you've been touched by him In the same way, that's a revelation of his love. You realize Jesus loves me, this I know. 
You realize that. It's not just intellectual. It begins here, but it has to be a heart condition. It's the inward part of our innermost being that we're touched by God. And so our level of worship will only go to that level of our revelation of who God is. That's why I pray, Lord, give us a revelation of who you are. Because when we see him, remember Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6, remember? He looked on and he saw the king there, or he saw the king of kings, actually. And uh, he was there and uh, he saw the holiness of God. And remember what he said? He said, woe is me. I'm convicted of my sin. I'm a sinner. And I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And remember, the seraphim came and touched his mouth uh, with the coal and cleansed him. Actually symbolic, I believe, of the cleansing flow of blood of Jesus. And, all, and he realized, and what's the first thing he said was, Here am I, send me. When you're touched by the Lord, you won't let other people know about it. You want to share that, that wonderful victory in your life with other people. You want to testify to what Jesus has done in your life. And so your level of worship will never go higher than your revelation of God in your heart. We saw here some time ago, remember the lady that came and uh, bathed Jesus' feet in the precious oil and all and stuff? You know, um, he who is forgiven much will forgive much. Well, understand that deep down. When you know that you were a sinner, you knew you were headed to hell and Jesus intercepted and you realize you're forgiven by his blood and his alone. Nothing we can do to earn it. Absolutely nothing. Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. And you know that, then you're forever grateful. You're forever thankful. God, what happens is when, when we surrender in that way, you'll have more encounters with the Lord. You'll have more experiences with the Lord along the way to change you because you've been changed. You remember what happened to David? In Psalm 28, look, David says this. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song, I will praise him. God has, David has discovered that God is his strength and his shield. He realized that he's been delivered, that he's been obviously, uh, he's been taken out of that. He experienced the Lord in all of that. My heart greatly rejoices. He's based on his revelation of God and the joy in his heart. When you know Jesus and you know how much he's delivered you of and he's delivered you out of the pit of hell, you'll be joyful down deep. And nothing's going to be able to steal that joy. Amen. Nothing. You see. You realize, obviously, it's because of your walk with the Lord. You realize you can encounter the Lord at any time. Could be... No matter what you're doing and what task, in Psalm 86, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I'll glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. He knows God is merciful because he has experienced that mercy personally. He knows God is his deliverer because he has experienced deliverance himself. Has God delivered you? Are you in bondage to anything today? Because Jesus doesn't want you to be in bondage. He came to set the captive free. And that means every bondage. If you're in bondage today, you need to get delivered. You need prayer. You need to run to Jesus. And there are other people can help you with that. Because he wants to set his children free. 
We're delivered, obviously, and we're set on a, a path to heaven, certainly. But there's luggage that we bring sometimes in that relationship. And God is saying, I want to take that luggage away from you. I want you to completely free. Remember, d- Jesus said, the devil doesn't have anything on me. I don't want the devil to have anything on Jim Barcliffe. And I don't want him to have anything on any believer in Jesus Christ. I want to be free. You want to be free. Jesus said, I've come to set you free. He'll do it for the asking. I want to tell you, the level of worship is tied to our revelation of the God you worship. The higher our view of God, the richer our worship experience. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of worship. In other words, not being afraid in that, although he is awesome and he's powerful. I'm talking about reverential awe. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But you know what's happened in this country today? Is that we've somehow kicked the fear of God out. The church no longer fears the Lord. The Lord, we've got traditions and we've got all these other things today. And God is saying, I want to break through those things. And I want to bring back that fear and awesome reverence and worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he wants to do that because we don't have that fear of the Lord. And God is looking for worshipers of him. And the level of godly reverence in your heart is the, a function of your knowledge of God here. The greater our esteem towards our infinite creator, redeemer, the more equipped we are to worship from the heart here. Remember, our Father, who art in heaven, what's the next? Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Reverential awe and respect and honor before the Lord. I ask and pray on a regular basis for, for the Spirit of the Lord to impart the fear of God into my heart. And along with that, I pray and ask that He would give me a spirit of praise and worship. I ask the Spirit to impart that. He'll impart things to your heart. You ask Him. Give the fear of the Lord because we can slip away from that so easily. You know, we're not trying to generate a worship experience here that doesn't flow out of a sincere revelation of who God is. Obviously, if it's contrived, then it's legalism, legalism and it become weird. I'm talking about true worship. I'm talking about encountering the Lord, my spirit, your spirit, encountering the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He's here. I'm saying, get ready. This is going to be increased, I believe, in our lifetime of what God wants to do. He's preparing the bride, right? As believers with the bride of Christ here. But some churches, they try to, to make something happen there. I don't want to work. I'm not trying to work something up. Emotionalism. I'm talking about a genuine worship experience of God Almighty. I don't have to contrive that. Or work it up. God's Spirit can do that. And you know, sometimes and you know, we may try to get all of the service exactly correct and do this and, and so forth. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to, certainly here. But sometimes that becomes a performance. I'm not looking for a performance. We need to do everything and set the bar high in doing these things. But certainly, a great performance and genuine worship are two different things. The second thing is, is worship flows out of gratitude for God's goodness. In Psalm 136, it's the old give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. 
Worship is birthed out of a genuine appreciation for His goodness in our lives. Remember Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16? They had been in prison. Um, They had been beat and uh, they were hurt. They uh, obviously, during that time, they were singing praises to the Lord and all. And remember what happened is the doors to the jail burst open and uh, the jailer there was getting ready to kill himself because he knew if they escaped, then he would be... He would be killed and so forth. And uh, Paul, of course, he got saved and his whole family. And uh, the worship permeated the whole jailhouse. Amen. The worship was there. And they thanked God. You know why? It's because Paul and Silas were convinced of God's goodness. You know, one thing the devil will do when you go through trials and tribulations, and, and he'll tell you this. He'll say, if God is so good, Why are you going through this particular trial or testing? You didn't do anything to deserve this. You've been a good little boy. You've been a good little girl or whatever it may be he's saying to you. But he will try to come in and try to punch a hole in that as far as our belief system and who God is and his goodness towards us. And let me tell you right now, and y'all have heard me say it before, is God is good all the time. Amen? He never changes. I don't care what kind of trial comes in Jim Barcliffe's life. It has to be sifted through God's hand. But he is good all the time. That's the one thing the enemy will try to, try to get you off course on and saying, God's not good to me. You look at me. Look what I've gone through. And look, I don't make as much money as somebody else does. I don't drive as big a car. I don't have as big a house. I don't do this. He'll do anything because he's a deceiver and he lies constantly. And he's the accuser of the brethren. Going before God, look at, look at your child. Look at him. Look at her. Look how they're acting. They're not acting like Jesus. And he'll come and whisper. He'll whisper in your ear. Tell you, you know, God's not so good, is he? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden? And uh, the devil came to him. And, and remember, uh, Eve said, well, we're not supposed to eat of that and all that. And what he did was he tried to he deceive them and saying, well, God's holding out on you. In our lives, too, it's the same way. Well, God's holding out on me. I want it this way, and God's holding out on me because I know what's best for my life. Baloney. We don't, do we? God knows what's best for our lives. And so true worship flows from an attitude of gratitude for God's goodness there. And God showed me those years ago when God touched me. He shows me over and over again, but I remember profoundly back in uh, 1985, I've shared with you about my experience with the Lord. You know, it's a life of gratitude, too. No matter what's happening, praise Him. That's why there is a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we, well, Lord, I don't feel like it. I don't thank, I want to thank you for that. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have this and I don't have that and I'm just having trouble. Give the sacrifice of praise. And you say, but isn't that sincere? God will work it if you'll thank Him and praise Him. Because if He doesn't want you here now, you won't be here. He gives us life and breath and everything else. And he can take our life away just like that. We need to be ready. And we need to give him praise. Obviously, a lot of times we're not convinced of his, of his, uh, his goodness. Remember is the Israelites who were leaving Egypt. God had fed them, rained down manna. And, and the... The goodness of God was expressed all around them, and they complained, they murmured and all, and they were unhappy with God. They were unhappy with the journey he had them on. They were not thankful. They were not worshipful. 
Thankfulness lays at the foundation for genuine worship. Come in thanking Him, praising Him. I thank Him for all things. I thank Him for this place. I thank Him for the people He's brought in this church. I thank Him for what He's doing in our lives to change us. I thank Him for everything. Thank Him for everything. That is the beginning of worship. That'll be a foundation that God can build on. And you may say, but it's just intellectual. Let me tell you, you begin verbalizing it and begin expressing that to the Lord. He's going to change your heart. Amen. He'll change your heart if we'll begin right where we are. It begins that way. God knows that. His involvement with our lives, no matter what. uh, Time in the Word opens up the opportunity for knowing God better. And the practice of thanksgiving points us in the right direction for worship. There are things that we can do during our week as we anticipate a corporate time of celebrating the goodness of the Lord. Three words, come, ask, and seek. There are three words that are used over and over in Scripture in seeking. Come to the Lord. You're saying, how do I do that? Come to Him. Just come to Him. Lord, I come to You. Simple, isn't it? I'm seeking You. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened. And then below it, it says, keep on. It's continual tense there in the Greek. Continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. Maybe you pray for a long time and you're, you're saying, Lord, I'm not hearing anything. Don't give up. You may be right there at that breakthrough that God wants to bring in your life. God is saying, come, ask, and seek. Because something that we can do that, you know, we need to obviously reflect upon what God's doing in our lives. We need to stop. We're too busy, aren't we? And busyness is one of the the main things, enemies of our relationship with the Lord, busyness. Be still and know that He is God. And then immediately we'll sit down and there'll be a thousand things flood our minds saying, I got to get up, I got to do this and that. Be still and know the God. That word in the Hebrew actually means put your arms down beside you. Get quiet before the Lord. Listen to the Lord. He is God. He's in full control. We just want to be a master of our own lives when Jesus needs to be master of our lives. Amen? first thing we need to do, I mentioned last week was, is that prepare our hearts. Wait in God's presence when you come in. Greet one another. Get, get quiet. Get in your pews and, and begin to pray and ask God to pour His Spirit out. Ask God to give us a heart of preparation. Thank Him for His blood that, was, that saved us and thank Him that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You like that? I love the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't you? I love the Lamb's Book of Life. My name's written there. Is your name written there? Because when I stand before him, I believe he'll open that book. It could be said this way. And look and going, uh, Jim Barcliffe, you're here. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> Don't you like that? In the Lamb's book of life, he says, come in. Think about it. Reflect upon his blood. Come, obviously, and reflect on the word of God. Uh, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us here. And remember, lay aside all condemnation. Remember, the enemy will try to get you off path because he doesn't want you to experience experience the Lord in this corporate worship. He'll get your mind on everything else and everything will just flood in. Say, nope, wash me in the blood, Jesus. Wash me in the blood. I'm coming. I know I messed up last Wednesday or I messed up last Tuesday or whatever. Wash me in the blood. Forgive me. But I'm coming to worship you. Want to worship the Lord? Try it. The third thing is, is enter the holy place. 
Wait on the Lord to speak something to you. Begin. God is always speaking. The problem is, are we listening? Are we listening? We have beautiful scripture today. Word of God's beautiful. I love all of you. First Peter, I love First Peter. I love all the ones that were spoken of here today. Mark, I love all of them. I love, I love the word. Get into the word. Are we listening? And then the last thing is, is enter the Holy of Holies, saying, Lord, I don't come here based on my own performance, but based upon your mercy and grace towards me. I expect to meet you here today because the veil is rent and because Jesus has opened this up for me. And I ask you to meet with us today because of Jesus, not because of anything I've done. I haven't performed real well this past week, Lord, and we'll start somehow bringing that up. And Jesus said, just come to me because of who I am. He said, lay it all aside and come to me. I just come to Jesus, not because of my own performance or how many times I messed up or said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing. I just come because of Jesus, right? We could do that. Try it. And then we'll come together corporately and worship and bow down and honor his holy name because he's worthy. He wants to do something in our church. And I believe he is. <laughs> I love it. I believe he's doing something. And I believe it's so great that words cannot describe it. I believe there's no limit to our God. Do you believe that? I believe that God is far more powerful and far more rich and far more glorious than any encounter I've had with him. And I'm looking for more encounters with him, okay? I'm looking for him. I'm waiting on him. I want him. I long for him. I yearn. I thirst as the deer pants for the water. So my soul pants for you. That deer running and panting for the Lord. Ricky and all you deer hunters, George, all y'all know about the deer when they were running like that because of being hunters. They were lathered in their sweat because they were running and they get to the water and they get in there. That's the way I am with God. I'm as a deer pants for the water. So my soul pants after you, Lord. I want him. I want him. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mary. Thank you. We believe that and we receive that word. I mentioned earlier, if someone has not received Christ in their life, would you, would you just raise your hand? Let me pray for you. If you've not received Jesus in your life, you raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Just pray and ask the Lord. If you've not received Christ, just lift your hands up. Anybody who's not received Christ in here, they're not sure about their salvation. They, they believe so, but it may be that you just need to, to say, let's, let's seal it. Let's nail it down, Lord. And then uh, if there's anybody here that, that's just saying, I, I need a closer walk with Jesus. I need, to, I need to draw closer to him. If that's your prayer today, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand up. I need a closer, I need a closer walk with Jesus, okay? You need a closer walk with Jesus. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And maybe somebody here has, uh, has said, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm entrapped here. I don't feel like I can ever get 
set free and I just need to be set free, totally free. I don't, I don't want my past to hang on anymore. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We set you free. Jesus set you free. I pray for each one in this place that lifted their hands up and said, I want a closer walk with Jesus. And also for this one that's mentioned saying, I want to be set free totally. I want to be free, totally free. I ask you, Lord, to come and and set the captive free, to break those bondages, to break those chains the enemy has put around us. They weren't from you, Lord. They came from the enemy. And I pray for every person here to be filled, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Every person in this place. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to sweep through this congregation and baptize people all over this place with power, with endowment with power from on high that we may share the word of God with other people under your anointing, O God. When we go out into the highways and byways of life, that there would be no hesitancy on our part but that we would step out in boldness and share our faith and who Jesus is to each one of us. I pray that today, that every person here would receive. And anybody here, he's here for the asking. Open your heart. You want to just be filled with the Spirit, with love, that we love one another the way Jesus. He said, you know, they'll know us by our love. You know, if we don't have that, we can have all the gifts. We can have all the other stuff. We can have all the power. But if we don't love one another, then it's, a, it's like clanging cymbals. But Jesus can baptize with, with power and with love. I ask you to release that, Lord, this day. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing here. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.